0: All right, three to seven can go. Everybody else, if you have your Bible, open it to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19. appreciate everybody, in spite of a flood, that you got in your little ark and drove to church this morning. You know, a lot of times when I get up here, I just get in a mad dash to get to preaching, and and I get tunnel vision and don't say a lot of things I probably ought to say. <clears throat> you know, we, we a lot of times take things for granted um, that we all not take, and there's a lot of people who do a lot of stuff here um, that makes... All this possible, and and I'm not gonna mention no names because those people don't want their names mentioned. But I was just thinking this week, you know, if you if you drive up in church and and you walk across and you don't have to walk through two foot high grass, there's somebody who takes care of the yard who's who who some of you maybe never even consider that, but they come down here every week and they manicure the yard for the Lord, and He sees that, and and I appreciate it. And food's always in the cabinets ready for kids' night, and people always here to to serve in those positions. And teachers spend time, hours a week, to prepare and to teach and uh, wrestle your kids and grandkids, and, and I appreciate that. And the church gets taken care of, and the baptistry gets filled. And, you know, it, it takes a lot just to make it um, happen. To, uh, to come here for the glory of God and for us to meet and worship. And there's a lot of people who <clears throat> who serve in this church um, who don't stand up here, you know, and, and get seen. Uh, so for you people, I greatly appreciate you. Amen. Greatly appreciate you. All right, looking in Ephesians chapter 2. And do a little bit more talking this morning to you than preaching, so I pray you'll consider what I say. I don't even know if we'll put this on, I guess it's going out on Facebook, live right now, so I don't even have that choice. You know, this is not really a message that goes out, this is a message just to people who are part of this church. <coughs> so looking in um, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19, It says, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Obviously talking to born-again believers here. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building, and it's not talking about a physical building there, whom the whole building being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. When you look at this passage of Scripture, it gives you a clear picture of of the church and God's intent and mission for the church. Um, a lot of times we consider the church to be a building or a place that we go to, uh, maybe a time on Sunday, you know, a, a certain day or a time that we we dedicate to worship whereas biblically <clears throat> when you look in the old testament I'm going to go into a lot of this tonight if you're not going to be here tonight you're going to miss something really good but when you look in the old testament temple the old testament temple was it was very different in the old testament then than now uh, because God's Spirit abides in believers. At that point in time in the Old Testament, prior to Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, uh, the Spirit of God resided or met with the people in the temple that God designed for his glory. Uh, the temple being such a place that the way that God designed it to where the sinful man could approach and worship God, going through the process of the sacrificial system that God designed, which everything there pointed to Jesus, he fulfilled all of that. And so the temple wasn't just an average building, it was a holy place where the Spirit or the glory of God met with the people. In the New Testament, once Christ uh, paid for the sin of mankind and, and rose again, the Holy Spirit was given to believers to indwell, He indwells in us, okay? As believers, from the point in time that you trust Jesus as your Savior, that's what saves you. God's Spirit doing a work in you, raising that dead spirit that's in you to life. You've been spiritually raised from the dead because of Jesus in you, okay? In that you're a new person, you have a new life, and, and but here's here's the thing I really want to, want you to focus on this morning. You, you have a whole new purpose, okay? It's totally separate from what you were prior to your salvation. You have an eternal purpose for which God created you. Remember in in uh, Psalm chapter one thirty nine, he, t- he talks about how God that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That God knitted you together uh, in your mother's womb. You were not an accident that just showed up, you know, on earth and showed up in a church service. Everything to do with your life is the hand of God moving and bringing you to a place because his desire is for you to have the life that he has for you and to fulfill his purpose and calling in your personal life. Because that's very fulfilling to you. You understand, when you, when you, and when I talk about, because I'm going to mention God's calling day. please don't try to picture uh, one big thing, okay? God's calling is not always one big thing and one big purpose that you search your whole life to find and that kind of stuff. God's calling is for you to walk with Him so that He can live through you and you'll fulfill that calling and purpose in your life as you walk with the Lord. There's no other way, okay? And so in that, you know, when, when I talk about you answering God's call or, or serving the Lord or any, any and everything we do, it all has to come from one source and that is loving Jesus. It, that's, that's the only thing if you want to just boil everything off of the Bible and go, what's the main thing? The main thing is that God loves sinners that God made a way for sinners to be saved, to be forgiven, to find mercy and grace through trusting in Jesus. And that here's what he said, now what does God want me to do, live by a bunch of stuff and do a bunch of rules? No. What God wants you to do is just love him back. And you know, as I look at a lot of churches that I've been involved with, you know, and you look where you hear the statistics, well, 20% of the people do you know, 80% of the work or whatever the statistic is. My question is always, man, is it really that hard to love Jesus? When you look at your life and you go, I just have such a hard time walking with the Lord I'm always this and that and blah, blah, blah. And, and you don't have no desire to serve the Lord. I think it's because you got a misconception on what God has for us and who God is, you know, and you got a, construed, a misconstrued uh, thought process of God because here's where I'm at. When I stand at the cross and I see what Jesus did for me, um, that I absolutely by no means did anything to deserve that and 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 the more that I study god's word and the more that I see how great God loves me and his grace towards me and his desire just to pour out life and kindness and goodness to me, I just go how, how, why would I have such a hard time just showing love to jesus that's the Christian life should be just love Jesus, you know if you was to ask me what should I be doing i would the first thing I would say is... Just love the Lord. Isn't that what he said? Love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Everything else will flow from that. If you'll just look at the Lord, look what he's done for you. And that should, if you're honest God, if you're a true born again believer. And God's spirit has changed your heart. You can't sit here and say that you're not moved to go, I want to love the Lord. Because he's made that way. You can, I know that you can look at yourself and go, Well, you know, you don't know me, Freezer, and and I do a lot of things and I fall and I struggle and I have sin. And you don't know my past and all that stuff. I, I don't know your past, but you know what? Jesus does and he loves you. He's forgiven you. You're free of that. If you've trusted in him, if you accepted the grace that God's offered you, and because of his blood, not because of you or your church attendance or anything else, because of his great love for you, he invites you to go anytime, any any place, no matter where you are. You come in my presence and, and you'll find freedom and you'll find grace and you'll find mercy. So I find it really difficult that, that there are not more people who are going, all right, if that's the truth and it is, I want to know God and I want to know what his calling and purposes in my life. And I want to know what he has for me because I can love somebody like that knowing that I'm unquestionably, undeniably, and eternally everlasting loved by this one you call Jesus, then I want to know him. And that's what God calls us to do now. Concerning the church, okay, God has put us together As a church, it says here that we are fitted together. The Holy Spirit doing the work is fitting us together. If you're a part of this church... Then God is the one who led you here. God is the one who is fitting you into His body. Okay. Think about this. We are, this is talking about, we're no longer, this, this building is not the temple. Okay. It's not the sanctuary. We call it that, but it's not. Okay. We are, whether we meet out here in a parking lot or, or we meet over at Greg's house or, you know, or we drive through the mud and, you know, meet at other people's house. We're still the church. We're still the body of Christ. Okay. We're that temple that God is molding us. He's connecting my life. Life, your life, their life together for the purpose to be a physical manifestation of Jesus. We are, the church, a physical manifestation. God's Spirit, it says, dwells within us, okay? And so you think about this, God's Spirit dwelling in each one of us, God giving each one of us different calls, whether you like it or not. You have a calling of God in your life. God designed you for that, okay? If all you're doing is... And you know, I know I harp on sometimes about, well, if all you do is come and sit in the church, you're wasting time. It's not you're wasting my time. You're, you're wasting your time because you're missing what God has for you. That's, that's I guess, if you want to say frustrating, I guess that's what's frustrates me. I go, how can you settle for anything less knowing how good God is and that you're loved by God and you're accepted because of Jesus? How could you not pursue and go, I want to know what I was designed to do? I want to know what God has for me. It doesn't have this to me. Maybe it is preaching, but it, it's not just preaching. Preaching is not the only call of God. You know, look, at the, look at the scripture. God called men and women to do all kinds of different things. And he made you the way he's designed you. You're a perfect design. And he's designed you for that, okay? He didn't just—I don't think he designed anybody just to come and see it, you know. Maybe he did. I don't know. And and some of you'll get a, a A plus, but but I but I think most of us he designed, okay. To be the physical man, I just had a thought. I cannot share anyhow. The physical manifestation of Jesus to the world. Now you think about this: the hope of the world, in a sense, resides in the church. The world is full of darkness. When I talk about the world, I'm talking about lost people. Full of darkness. Ignorant of the ways of God. They have a totally distorted and perverted view of the Bible, of Jesus, and everything else. And that's why God calls us to go, no, no, wait a second. My church, my body... Is a representation of who I am, of my love, of my of my power, of my care, of my kindness, of my truth, of my holiness. Everything you do, the world should be seen and right here in this group of people, because I made those people and I saved those and I redeemed them and, I, and I've been creating and working in them and designing them and I put all of them together with their weaknesses and their strengths and everything, so that this little backwoods group of redneck and city folk can come together and people go wow man I see Jesus in them undeniably that the Lord is there and he dwells among them but think about this we are and Jesus said you are the light of the world we're the light in a world of darkness. We're called to live in direct contrast to our culture, which is antichrist. We're called to love one another. Think about it. We're called to love one another in such a way, okay? Jesus said in John chapter 13, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples in that you have love for one another. People ought to come to this church. And if they spend enough time here, I'm not just talking about in a Sunday morning service, but they ought to see such a loving interaction between us as a group of people. They go, man, there's no doubt the spirit of God's in those people. They, they love in a weird way. You know, they, they love like nobody else. We're called, think about this too, also called to love unlovable people. Calling your life is, Jesus said, pray for your enemies. Bless your enemies. Do good for your enemies. What well, good is it if you love people who love you? Everybody does that. But but God's people, by by this grace of God, we can love our enemies, and we can love lost people, and we can love people who hate Jesus, and we can love people who hate God's word. In so much that it's undeniably represented, because that's what Jesus did, isn't it? That's what He's going to work in and through us to demonstrate the gospel, the power of God to save and redeem people. And so you think about this: each one of us have a part in that. It's a huge task. When the Lord was speaking, one of the last words he spoke was, Go ye, therefore, into all the world, and preach the gospel. He wasn't just talking to to preachers. He wasn't just talking to you know all your churches together. He gave that to this church, this one church. That's our task, is to show Jesus to the world of lost people. Listen to me, who according to the scripture, if they die without having trusted Jesus, they're going to die and face the judgment, and they're going to spend eternity in hell. And so you have a part of that. Every one of us, God has fitted you here to be a part of that. Now here's the problem. Many people in the world think that God is dead because the church is. Now I'm not necessarily referring to this church. I've been a lot of part of churches that's just as dead as a cemetery. And you wonder why the world Many of Many people in the world doesn't think that God cares because the church doesn't. A lot of people in the world think that God's a fake because the church is. That God's not holy because the church is not holy. And so the, what, what message we, I'm talking about us here, what message are we sending to the world? Because I don't want to be that. I don't want to be a part of a church like that. And I'm not saying that I am, but, but, but what I am saying is that, that it doesn't take long for us to get like that. And here's where I want to just get straight up in your face and personal with you. One day... Okay, and, and this is my plan. Unless God has a different plan, I'm going to be here at this church till I fall over dead, or you send me on down the road. And either way, whatever. But but as far as I'm concerned, you know, God put me in this church, and you're my family, and we're we're going to stick it out. And one day, this is the honest truth. If you're if you're in covenant with this church, we're going to stand together in judgment. Every single one of us, as a group, as a body of Christ, we're going to stand together on the day of judgment, and we're going to be judged as individuals. You as an individual. And you're going to be judged, not for you listen to me, not, well, oh man, I hope I make it. Don't get there and think that. It's too late. You're not judged for your salvation, okay? And once you stand before the Lord, you're either saved or lost. At that point, because of the decision you make here. Don't let me paint a wrong picture. You're not being judged. You sinned. You're not good enough. You're going to make, mm, your judgment takes place at the cross of Jesus Christ, okay? But you are, you, we will be judged as stewards of the gospel. What did you do? with what God has blessed you with, okay? What did you do with the grace and the mercy and the love and the gifts and the talents and the time and the opportunities, okay? Because we're going to give an account for the Lord of what we did as a church. Sometimes we we get focused on all of what's going on, all these other churches. Here's the thing. I'm not a part of, you know, other churches. I'm not a part of Lakeside. I'm not a part of Grace Baptist Church. I'm not a part of Southside. I'm, I'm a member of this body. And I'm accountable for these people. Now, here's the way it's going to work. When I stand with you before the Lord, I have to give an account, according to Hebrews, I have to give an account for your soul. I'm going to stand before the Lord and answer for what I taught you, for what I preached to you, for how I led you, for how I fed you, for how I inspired you, for how I provoke you. At this point, not really excited about that, but I'm trying to make some changes, okay? I misled some of the men in my attitude this weekend over at the... At the lake, but I done corrected that and told him I saw I said what I said. And if you wasn't there, guess what? You missed it. I don't want to hear about it on Facebook later. Okay. But here's where I'm at. I, I've got to I've got to give an account for those things. But not just me. Okay. You're not gonna be standing there going, oh, you, you might, okay. But but I'm not in this alone because we're a body. We're one. You're connected to me. And I'm connected to you. Okay, and so God's gonna call you up. And you're gonna give an account for what you did with what you were given. You know, maybe I'll stand there, hopefully the Lord will be like, well, you, you, you preached the truth to him. You, 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 you taught him my word to the best of your ignorant ability. And, and you tried to do what you needed to do. And y'all be like, alright, that's my little pastor. And it's like, alright, now I need to talk to you. What did you do with what he gave you? What did you do with the knowledge you were given? What did you do with the gospel? Cause here's the thing. Honestly, it's a dangerous thing to have a pastor who preaches the truth if you don't live by it. Cause now you're held accountable to it. There's a lot of church members who go, that's right. Give it to them, preacher, you know, tell them the truth. I'm not telling them the truth. I'm telling you the truth and me the truth cause I need to hear it as much as anybody does. Okay. But here's the point. What, what are you doing with those things? Because God's going to call us into account to do, you know, what, what did you do with the information. What did you do with the love that I put within your heart? What did you do with the knowledge that that your Sunday school teacher gave you? You know, you had a Sunday school, you had a youth pastor who who prayed and who studied and who who invested time in you. What did you do with that? Because teenagers, you don't have no excuse. You know, believe it or not, the Lord's gonna come back one day or maybe you'll die before you become an adult. You can stand before the Lord as a teenager. You can't go, well I was a teen, you're gonna be like, whoop you do. You know? And so so here's here's where I'm at with that. Knowing that. And 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 here's the awesome thing is that don't have to be a fearful or dreadful day. That can be a day you go, I'm ready for that day. Not that I'm perfect because I never will be. I'll never be perfect. I'll never do everything, you know, that just right the way God wants me to. But I'm gonna get some stuff right. And those are gonna be something you know the Bible talks about we'll lay our crowns at his feet. We're gonna you're gonna be either you're gonna be given rewards. Okay, all kinds of different things that that's going to take place in that day, where you'll be given some of those things. Every every one of those rewards that you get for your obedience to the Lord will be something that brings Him glory, and and that you'll lay it at His feet. God, this is what I did for you, and I want I just wanted you to be glorified. And you know what? And when you think about this, and well, I, I'm not Billy Graham. Listen to me. The Lord says if you give a if you give a, a, a disciple a drink, in the name of the Lord, that you won't lose your reward. You feed a hungry person. Nobody else sees it. It's not about starting a big program or a ministry with a name and, and a bunch of people involved. But if you, from your heart, God puts somebody in front of you who has a need and you're like, Lord, I just want to do this for you. On that day, this is what's going to, the Bible says, everything that was done will be made manifest. Everybody who's a believer, millions and millions of, if you're a child of God, you'll look around that crowd. You'll see Billy Graham standing over there. And you'll see Charles Haddon Spurgeon. But you'll also see some people that you like. Who is that person? Who have done way more than what those preachers have. And God will call us to the front. Say, so how long is this going to take? Who cares? We got eternity, right? And God will call you to the front. In front of all those people. This is what it says. It's going to be made manifest. And everything you do for the Lord because you loved him. That's the weight. That's the test of it. But you do this. It doesn't matter what it is you're doing. You do it because you love me. And God's going to reward you. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Okay. So here's where I'm at as I'm studying that this week because I know it's easy when you, when you, when you're a group of people. And we got a lot of people here who've been here. I've pastored some of the people here almost 20 years. And got a lot of people, and sometimes we can do, we can get our service to the Lord kind of like we do our marriage. When you've been married for, for you know five years, you're still fighting and working through it. You've been married for ten years. Hopefully, you've got through all the fighting, and now you're trying to figure each other out. You married fifteen years, you start getting comfortable. You got each other. You think figured out. You get married twenty years, you start getting real comfortable and complacent. You start taking things for granted. You start you stop stop doing what you used to do and you just kind of kick your marriage in the in the coast and the next thing you know you look up and it's not real good. If anybody's wondering my marriage is good right now, okay? I just want to put that in there. But but it takes work and it takes a continual devotion and commitment just like it does with the Lord. You can be a part of a church and maybe you've been here for a long time and you've had times where you was really serving the Lord and your heart was on fire and and you wanted to share the gospel with people and you wanted to be a part of the the church and serve in it and all that. But then after you do that for a while, let's be honest, ministry can get very discouraging because people don't respond how you think they ought to respond and you don't even know who all is responding. You don't know what you're doing, what how it's affecting people here and there, and you're going by and you're, what your eyes are seeing or not seeing, and the devil's always, you know, yak yakking in you. And the next thing you know, when everything is, you know, going seems to be going good, and then after a little while, you get complacent, and, and the next thing you know, you get distracted or you get discouraged, or or sometimes thinking about trying to do all of this stuff gets overwhelming. When you hear God's voice, and that's what I didn't hear God's voice tell you, I want you. I want you to lead this out. I want you to be a part of this. I want you to to inspire people. I want you to take a a, a role or a position. Or I want you to do these things and then you look and you're like, man, that's, how am I supposed to do that? You know, God, this is, you're talking about winning the world to Jesus or impacting the world for the gospel. You know, look how many lost people, look how hateful they are, look how, you know, all these different aspects. And God, look how stupid I am and how little and how uneducated and unprepared and all these uns in my life. It's so much that the next thing you know, you go "Lie here's, and here's what happens. God I believe all over this crowd. There are people I know because I've talked to you and I'm in the same place. At times in your life, God's Spirit was dealing with you. You was hearing God's voice. And you were looking at your purpose and your calling, and you were considering it. And you were weighing it out. I've heard some of you go, I just feel like God's dealing with me about this, or calling me to that, or He wants me to do this. Some of you started and you started walking with the Lord like it was going to be a patty cake session and everything was just going to be smooth as oil. And then when all of a sudden the devil slapped you in the face, you got discouraged. And and next thing you know, you're like, man, forget that. Nobody cares. And I don't want to be a part of that. And I didn't hear God. and Or maybe some of you, you weigh it out, the sacrifice when God calls you. You know, maybe I believe there's men Young men and old men here today that God's calling you to preach. I believe that with all my heart. I believe all in every church in the United States of America there are men who are sitting in the chairs that ought to be standing in the front, preaching God's word and and and, and you hear that calling and all of a sudden you look at life and you go, Well, if, Lord, if I really do that, then I gotta give up this and I gotta sacrifice this and sacrifice you know, and you weigh it out and you're kinda, uh like, eh. well here's what here's what it really is if you if you look at it for we're hardening our heart towards God. Maybe you're hearing you're lost. You don't know Jesus as your Savior. And you hear the gospel message that God loves you. God God wants to forgive you. He wants to give you new life. He wants you to love him and follow him. And you've heard that message and God's voice went, I'm talking to you, man. I'm talking to you. I want to save you. And you're sitting there going, mm, You know, I'm not ready for that. I don't want to blah, blah, blah. What happens is we harden our heart towards God's voice. And we, No, Lord, I'm not going to do that. And here's the dangerous thing. The next thing you know, when you decide not to invest in the Lord, then you invest in other things. And you start looking at other things and desiring other things. And you start living the life that you think will give you uh, what what you don't think following Jesus will give you. And you start doing what is right in your own eyes. And you start chasing after you know ways that you think is going to produce good. The problem with that is the scripture is true. And it says, there's a way that seems right unto man. But the end of that way is death. It leads to the death of your joy. It leads to sometimes the death of your marriage. Sometimes it leads to your own personal, physical death. Sometimes it can lead to spiritual death and you end up in hell never intended to. Sometimes it can lead to the death of a church, the death of hope, and all these different deaths. But but when you harden your heart towards God, and and listen to me, I've seen in my life, I've seen it with my wife several times in her life. <laughs> I had to lighten y'all up a little bit, but, but, and I've seen it in your lives. I, I have, you know, I, I know you enough now as your pastor. I know you and there's, there's some of you here and I'm not trying to put guilt or nothing on you and I'm not even thinking about anybody, but, but I do want to look out for your good. Um, some of you have hardened your heart towards God. And what God has for you to do because it became difficult or became discouraging. And now you're off doing your thing, investing in whatever else. And I just go, man, you'll never find joy in that. And if you, if you ask me, you know, so what, as a pastor, what is your hope for us? A lot of people get the idea that, you know, preachers are happy when there's a bunch of people in the, in the, Pews are full, and and everybody's coming to church and doing the same. That has nothing to do with what my desire is. Okay, do I want all the chairs full? I do. So why do I want all the chairs full? Not because I get to talk to a bunch more people. It's because I want the chairs full because your heart is so full of adoration and love that you want to come here and just worship God. I want to. Why do I want to go longer than an hour on Sunday? Not so I get to talk more. Even though obviously I enjoy it, but I want it because you love this group of people so much and that you want to edify, build up, encourage, fellowship with one another. you're like, we'll stay all day, we just love it, we love being with each other, we love talking to each other and fellowship, and it feeds us and we we share. I want the Sunday school full why not because you ought to be there. I want Sunday school full. Every class, I'd love to expand because your heart is so hungry to hear God's words so that you can grow and that you know the Lord more and you're equipped so that you can serve. Do you see the purpose and the point? It's not about so we can get a big church and a bunch of numbers and all that junk. I don't care about that. What I do care about is you individually is, do you really see God for how great he is and what he has for your life and what you're breathing and living for? Because God didn't design anybody here to chase after the American dream. You wasn't created so that you can have a bunch of stuff, make a bunch of money and have a great image so all the world can see you and go, yay, another home run, you know, whatever. That's so minuscule. Not that I'm attacking baseball, okay? I'll attack baseball, football, hunting, fishing, and anything else. something that you lose it's a person that you move away from your fire your excitement your love all of those things are kindled as we walk close to the lord so if you're sitting here going i just i'm not as excited as i once was i'm not as devoted as i once was i'm not you know i'm not you know loving people and i'm not reaching i'm not seeking god's calling in personal life i'm not willing to sacrifice i'm self-centered selfish all about me and i still ain't happy and I'm not willing to step out and do anything in faith. If you were just, you know, you don't got to say it out loud, but if you're just in your heart, that's me. That's me this morning. There's no message that I'm going to preach that's going to go, and, you know, that's not going to happen. No song. and I want to be in God's word, and I want to speak God's word, and I want to give, and I want to be a part, and I want to show love, and I'm excited, you know, I can't wait to work. All that right there comes from walking with the Lord. Do you remember? And I'm almost done, so stay with me. But do you remember after Jesus rose from the dead, you know, there was a great doom and gloom among his disciples before they seen him. And there was two that was on the road to Emmaus, big old mess. <laughs> Anyhow, they were on the road. to y'all with me? They were on the road to Emmaus and, and all of a sudden Jesus would come along and he drew near and he, he made it to where they couldn't tell who he was. How he did that, I don't know. Maybe he just went, I don't want them to know who I am right now. So anyhow, they were walking along there and the Lord was talking to him and then they, they asked him and said, you know, will you come and stay with us? And so he did. You know, every time you invite the Lord, Lord, will you just come and stay with me. He will. So he comes and he stays with them, and, and it said, uh, as he was sitting there, they was telling him, you know, we're so upset, basically, because this great man we thought was a prophet Jesus, and we thought he was the one who would redeem Israel, and now they crucify him. Don't you know anything? And the Lord said, oh, foolish and slow to heart to believe. You not know, I hear what the prophet said, and it said he began to expound the word of God to them, you know, back and went through Moses and the prophets, and he was he was telling them of himself. He was revealing who he really was to them, okay? And then it said at the, at that point that he broke bread. Okay, they were, they were ready to eat supper and he broke bread, which that's what he did when he's here. But when he broke bread and he handed the bread out, they would have seen the nail prints in his hands and they were like, And then he vanished. And they said, did not our hearts burn when he talked with us? When's the last time that your heart burned within? was the last time you were so convinced that God is real, of his love for you, of what he did on the cross, of the power of the gospel, that people need what you possess, that God designed you and put you in this group of people because he has something for you to do here. That's a whole lot more exciting than just sitting in a pew or a chair. And if you haven't had that, you're like, I used to have that. You know, I lost that. Man, just God just, so what I do, preacher, just be, I think you be honest. Come back to a place go, God, obviously I'm not walking with you, even though I'm at church, going through the motions, of the Lord. I've lost my excitement. And I've really grown cold in my love because I started loving other things. Let's be real. We're really busy people outside of, outside of church and the ministry, if you look at that, if you want to say, Pastor, I want you to describe the condition of your people right now, I'd say they're just like me. They're really busy. We have so busied ourselves. We find something to do in every gap of time that it is filling our lives. So I say, man, some of you maybe this morning, I'm just praying for God's spirit to fill me. He's like, I don't have not room. I can't feel you because you're so filled up with everything else, whether it's something physical, whether it's some, you know, thought process you got going. It's just full. You don't have time for me anymore. When's the last time that you went somewhere by yourself, whether it's in a room or, or in your car or maybe out in the woods somewhere where you was just you and this book, not another book from Francis Chan or whoever. He's a great author, but I'm talking about this book. Where you're like looking at God face to face, going, God, I want to hear you. I want you. I want you to speak to my heart. He will, I guarantee you. When's the last time that you sought God in that way? Don't that bother you, man? It bothers me. I'm going to sum up my message with this this morning. You know, I don't even like to talk about work, but I but I work and I do construction junk. Okay. And right now, I'm working on um, John and Casey Guess's house. And that actually <clears throat> is the house that we lived in, raised our kids in. They bought it from us. And now we're, we're doing a little work, remodel, that kind of stuff. And I was telling Willie this morning, I said, you know, working in that house has just man, stirred some stuff in me. Because I don't see a house. I see... No, I'm not talking about where my kids live. I'm talking about some of the things that I used to live for that I'm not living for now. Some of the convictions that I had there that I don't have where I'm at now. It's not about the house. It's about me and how you lose focus and how sometimes you just your flame goes to a spark in certain areas of your life. Please don't make this message about pray for the poor pastor. You pray for you, I'll pray for me, all right? But what I am saying is, God has different ways that he reveals things to us. And when you walk through a house where you spend time on your knees, you know, with your family, of stuff. It's about a God who loves you, man, more than you can imagine. Who knows what sin you're involved in, who wants to redeem you and forgive you of that sin, to give you life, to make you a child of God, to give you a hope, to totally radically change your life in an awesome way, and to give you what only he can give you. All you have to do is to humble yourself, go, God, I believe Jesus. You loved me, died on the cross for me, and I'm trusting that done. God saved my soul. God saves you. Start a new life, a new walk, clean slate. The Lord's walking in God's love and favor. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. That's just, that's my testimony. I'll testify to it all day long. I'm home with 200 other people here. Don't, please don't leave. I'm not asking this to you. To, to the, to the grace of God you here and your eyes closed <clears throat> let's have a word of prayer.